0: Good morning and welcome to your partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast I am happy to say is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, Excuse me, and it's all because of my truly incredible guests, and I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game, and they join this podcast and others like it to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with us the essence of peak performance, and boy, do they. So today, I get to welcome to the show Judy Hoberman, and her stated mission is to help one woman a day by following an important philosophy, and here it is, women want to be treated equally, not identically, and I love that, and we're going to be talking about what she terms the lonely leader. Now, Judy is the president of Judy Hoberman Associates. It's a company that is focused on empowering professional women, as you probably figured out. And she is an award-winning international speaker, best-selling author, trainer, and leading authority on women in leadership. So, with over three decades in business, she combines wisdom and humor with her behavior-shaping insights that impact audiences of thousands, as well as small groups and individuals through her one-on-one executive coaching and mentoring and she is often described as transformational. She's also a TEDx speaker, and I'm going to ask her about that. Judy, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. We thought we might have to kind of rearrange this today because of my Louisiana weather. As I mentioned earlier, we have two seasons, hot and hotter and hell in the mud season, and today is the mud season. So welcome. I'm so glad you made it here.
1: I am so glad to be here, and I'm excited that the weather decided to part their ways and say, okay, Denise and Judy are doing this.
0: I know. We have an hour. Let's see if we can beat that weather. You never know. It's crazy. My dog is hiding. She won't eat. She's swaddled in a blanket in the bathroom. When it gets like this, you know, kind of all hell breaks loose, but here we are. So I have got your book, Judy, before we get to, to doing this. I've got your book on the It's called, and I love this title, Walking on the Glass Floor. It's Seven Essential Qualities of Women Who Lead. We've got a lot to talk about.
1: I know, I know. And this is this is so exciting because so many people say to me, you know, when are you going to write a book? I'm like, okay, I've written four. What, when am I going to write a book? And they go, no, no, another book, like a sequel to Walking on the Glass Floor. So if more people ask, maybe I'll do it. But right now, this is my favorite book.
0: Well, I've been reading it. I always read, you know, as the audience knows, I have hundreds of books in this office. Every single book in this room was gifted to me by people like you, people who, you know, send me their wonderful books. I read them, I review them they become in a very, very important part of my entrepreneurial library. So tell me about this book before we get too far down because there's, you ought to see it, Judy, there's stickies all over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> right now, I just opened it to six, chapter six, Dream Big, but tell us about the book before I start peppering you with questions.
1: Well, the interesting thing, is, and my book looks the same way with all the stickies everywhere, even. It just all my books do that I love that but when this book came about it was I had a, um, a live radio show for six years and a podcast for two and what I discovered was almost every time we had a, a guest on they would be talking about something that had to do with leadership even though they may not have been in leadership in the leadership space it would be about leadership and so when I decided to write my book I looked back at all of the monologues that I did you know with the shows, with the guests, and um, separated the, the questions with the monologues, because I always did like a little monologue just to set the stage. And what I discovered that it was seven different qualities, and I decided, okay, this is a good time to write a book about this, because leadership was really starting to take, you know, claim its, its space, and women in leadership, as we both know, there's not as many as there should be, of qualified women, and so I thought, okay, this is a good time to write it. So I decided to write the book, and I separated it into seven different qualities, which are passion, authenticity, courage, communication, decisiveness, resilience, and generosity, and from that grew all the stories about it, and to me, it was more about seeing yourself as a leader from the qualities that you may not even realize are leadership qualities as opposed to the ones that everybody talks about. So it was kind of it was a little bit different. It was a little bit different spin on leadership. And that's how it came to well, be.
0: And I love this. There's so many things about this book that I'm really enjoying. But I have to ask you, I mean, you said that there are not as many women leaders or qualified women leaders. But my question immediately popped up, or are they just not identified as qualified
1: that's part of it. Sometimes they put people into um, positions that are not qualified, male or female. Uh, sometimes they overlook the best person that's sitting right in front of you and they choose somebody else. Sometimes they don't raise their hand. You know, there's all different pieces of the puzzle. But in reality, when you, when you realize there are more men named John than there are women in CEO positions, that's a little, you know, tough to swallow.
0: It is. And listen, every female I know, listen, I'm an introvert. That doesn't mean I don't know a lot of incredible people. And every female, every woman that I know, whether she's been a guest or she has become a friend or a mentor, they're all leaders, every Mm -hmm. single one. You know what they say about water seeks its own level. These are the females, the women that I look for.
1: and And I'll agree with that because I do believe that, there are so many incredible leaders that are female, and they may not have the title of leader or executive or senior or whatever in their title, but yet they are leaders. And they may you know, I don't believe that the title has anything to do with being a leader because there's plenty of people who have the title that you know whatever along. but but the truth of the matter is, you know I always when I talk about leaders, I always give the little caveat that says, Even if you are leading yourself, the most important person, you are a leader. Because, you know, a lot of women, and I'm just talking about women, I'm not saying men are out of this, but I'm just talking about women for a moment. A lot of women that are in business for themselves or even that work for other people or in corporate America that may not have the title, they're impacting a lot of people. And therefore, they are leaders. So um, I don't think that the title has anything to do with it, and I I really encourage people to step up and step out and do all the things that they could do to impact other people and show the kind of leader that they are because those are the leaders that people choose to follow. Right,
0: and you made a good point. I work by myself. I always have. I have a team, but they're you know contracted team. I have to be the leader. There is nobody mm-hmm. to show me, teach me, guide me. Although over time I've learned, you know, through my podcast, when when I say y'all become my mentors, I'm not kidding. But when I started my podcast, when I started my business, this was practically pre pre everything. I mean, when mm-hmm. we built websites, we had to write them in HTML. We got basically the chance, you know, the choice of dark background and white content content. I mean, there was we didn't have graphical user interface. We didn't have social media. 20 years ago things have changed nobody was around to teach me to do anything I had to lead myself which is not a problem because I'm one of those people who says you know do what you're told." nobody gets hurt so it worked for me but <laughs> it's difficult sometimes to identify ourselves as leaders when that's what we do all day long
1: right right and and I, that's why I'm saying is It is hard to say, to consider yourself a leader, even though you have to be the leader or you want to be the leader. Sometimes, think of it this way, Denise, a lot of times when people um, read my bio, I want them to stop reading it. Like, really, I mean, I know I've done a lot of things, but really just say who I am, you know, because the rest of it is going to come out in conversation anyway. And I know that I'm a leader. I may not be a leader of millions, or maybe I am, I don't know. But I just prefer people to know me for for who I am and for what I believe in, as opposed to saying, okay, so you have this position or you're the CEO of your company or the president of your company, blah, blah 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 blah. So you must be a leader. I I just you know I I want people just to know who I am and and I will say I am one of the biggest introverts and which is interesting that these two introverts are hanging out together here, um, but. I always had difficulty, like walking into a room of people that I didn't know, and I had to teach myself that it's it's okay not to, you know, love everybody instantly. Because when I love you, I love you, but it's okay to walk in and just, you know, be uncomfortable and get used to where you are, because let people get to know you. And many times I've been told that I've been intimidating or unapproachable, and it's only because I'm an introvert. Once you get because you're quiet. Right. We're I'm quiet, quiet and, when we're out right. and about,
0: and people right. are like,
1: oh, you're either really
0: intelligent or you're really a bitch. Which is
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Right, right. That, that's, that's the case. But I did it like, I, you know, I always tell people, when I started my company and I started doing speaking, okay, imagine, here's the introvert going to go and do public speaking. Um, I would, people wouldn't talk to me until after I came off stage. They just wouldn't. And so I did a random survey. And I would ask people, so, you know, when you meet me, what do you think of me? And you have to prepare to get the answers that people are going to tell you because perception is reality. And people would say to me, you're intimidating, you're unapproachable, you're out of our league. That's what people said about me, In different, not anybody together, separate people all over the place. And so as a professional woman, I got in my car and I'd start to cry. And then I'd have to fix my face up and oh. now I have to speak, right, because that's not me. Anyway, so one day I, I wasn't going to ask this question anymore. And I did ask my, my, my business coach, and she said, don't forget you're an introvert. When you walk into a room, people don't necessarily walk towards you because you have, like, this wall around you. Like, you're not, you're not inviting or anything. And, you know, she said, we're going to have to work on that. Okay, so let's just end that for a moment. So the next time I went to speak, I, w- I always wear, like, cool boots. And I was wearing very sparkly boots. And this woman came up to me, and she said, I love your boots. And I had to think to myself, did I already speak because someone is talking to me?
0: <laughs> and
1: right? And then another person, and another person. So the next day I was speaking again, and I wore the boots again. Same thing happened. The next day I thought, well, now I'm going to be like an athlete. When an athlete is winning, they don't change their underwear. I'm not changing my boots. And the oh, same thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> I got ahead of you and just went, aww. <laughs> so I wore my boots I can't again. <laughs> And my boots now became part of my brand because it was like an icebreaker. When I told my coach, she said, well, then you figured out how to get people to talk to you. Very, very good. Very unusual. Didn't expect that's what it was going to be. But now, you know, I wear my boots all the time or different boots and people always talk to me. And it's so much easier. But I learned, you know, not only that, but I also learned that when you're going to an event and you don't want to walk into the room because you don't know anybody, be the first one there. Be the first one to show up because then people walk in and they talk to you, and you're like, "Okay, I could do this."
0: <laughs> well, that's a good idea. I'm mm-hmm. not good around people. I really, am. I found out through trial and error that when I get around people who really don't interest me, listen, I can be all day long if a conversation is fascinating, but if it's just mundane, hey, how are you doing down the south? How's your mom and them? I
1: don't yeah.
0: care. I really right. don't care. So I'm good. For 59 and three quarter minutes after that, <laughs> i got to go <laughs> and I leave.
1: <laughs> okay. Bye-bye now.
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I've timed it. I'm very, you know, this very, I had to find out it's like what, when do I start getting exhausted? When do I feel drained? When do I want to strangle somebody? Which is kind of the next introvert. So, you know, I had to find out if I'm 45 minutes in and I'm looking at my watch Probably time to grab my keys and make my goodbyes.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know, and I know that feeling. I do know that feeling. the The challenge is that sometimes you know you're you're surrounded by some people, and you know I just excuse myself and I say okay, I've got to I've got to run. I've got another meeting. Blah blah blah. And I do leave. I do the same thing because I I shouldn't be around people when I'm feeling feeling that feeling. When I'm yeah, really it's exhausting. Like, you, it really. Yeah, is. when I'm in a really good mood. I'm okay. I can be there forever. But when I'm not, mm -mm, when I'm not feeling comfortable, mm -mm. it's the same thing. My husband had a um, a high school reunion. He introduced me as the, the most intelligent woman he knows. This is how he introduces me, okay, which sounds amazing, except if you're an introvert, like, you don't want to. I'm like saying to myself, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. <laughs> I did. Oh. No talking, no talking. Just yeah. stop. <laughs> stop Stop. Don't. Because then a, so can, that's, a, a, that's a big um, title to, to have to be like owning. And I didn't want to own that. And I don't believe I'm the most intelligent woman he's ever met. I don't believe that. But I think it was great. And he starts giving all my accolades in the book and that this is And she's this and she's that. And I'm like, oh, my God, please stop talking. Um, so I, I don't like that I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that and people say just own it you've done all this own it I'm like mm-hmm. okay uh, I can own it sometimes but that was not the time to do it because I didn't know one person in the room other than my oh, husband gotcha. so mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. it can be and the thing is we
0: all of us I don't care if you're an introvert extrovert whatever you are we all have things that we should be proud of we can be proud of but this has been my experience, just listening to other people. If you just kind of vomit it all over the place, we're going to lose interest <laughs> yes. seriously. Yeah, you know, we know. want to learn more about you. Kind of like you know, having a cup of coffee, not getting married. You know, take it easy, slow it down. <laughs> Let us know you like you and trust you, and we'll go find you. Yes,
1: yes, I I can't even believe you just said that because I use that line all the time. I just want a cup of coffee. I don't want to get married
0: right i don't even want the cup of coffee just the no yeah, talking yeah. seriously no talking. and i'm not unfriendly and you know it's interesting that you should say when when you were going you know on stage nobody wanted to talk with you i find that fascinating in an appalled kind of a way listen mm-hmm. i am an introvert i mean when i and there are no pictures of me anywhere on the internet there are never going to be it's nobody's business what i look like my house is covered up on Google. Leave me alone. Seriously, just leave me be. If I want to talk with you, I will. And I know that sounds terrible, but I live in my own head, but when I head out to the grocery store or wherever I'm going to go, I go out in my Ray-Bans, my black cap. You know, I'm I think I'm taking my resting bitch face with me, but this we live in the South. And I never get away without somebody saying, hey, how are you? And they want to talk. I've had people follow me to the parking lot. Apparently, my aura is a lot mm-hmm. friendlier than I think it is. But you have to take that down. <laughs> I'm
1: telling
0: you. And I'm not hiding. I just, I hate grocery shopping. I want to get in, get out. I've got my list. I know where I'm going. No talking never works yeah.
1: out that way. Never works out that way. I know. I hear you. I'm on the same page as you. Oh, okay, so let's go back.
0: Now that we've told everybody all about how weird we are. That's it, correct. The thing if if
1: the two of you fit together. Okay, good. Thank I'm you so telling
0: much. you, we're probably twins. Let's go to uh, Chapter 6, Dream Big. That is such a big thing for me because as a person who lives largely in my own head, my mindset is critical. It really is critical. What am I thinking? What am I dreaming? What am I building in my head? So let's talk about dream big because that's to me, is a big, big topic.
1: Well, you know, everything is really based around your mindset. It really is. You know, when you have um, a positive mindset, I'm not talking about Pollyanna. I'm talking about a positive mindset. When you see things in a different way, there are opportunities that appear. There are doors that open for you. When you are, you know, Debbie Downer, nobody wants to be around you. And I'm not talking about being, you know, an introvert. I'm talking about in business or, you know, in anything that you do, they're like, oh, here she comes again, and I don't want to do it. Right. right? So it, it all goes back to your mindset. You have to be able to not only be inspired but inspire others. You know, there's no way that you would be as successful with your podcast if you didn't inspire people. And it's not just, you know, your guests, it's the combination. So you're bringing together a really good, you know, a duo every time you do a a show and it's, you you know, you bounce off each other. If you did not have the right mindset, we would not be having this conversation the way it is. I'm sure we wouldn't be laughing and we wouldn't be sharing because the mindset would be like, Oh yeah, I just have to be there. I don't want to be there. But a lot of it has to do with fear. And, and that's the part that we don't always like to admit, but we are afraid of things. Are we more afraid of being a success or are we more afraid of, of not being a success? Are we more afraid of, like, it's like, you know, dreaming big is about your goals. Is, is that, you know, should how big should you dream? Or should we dream about, like, just making these little tiny steps and, you know, and every time we do it, you know, we're good. And I don't, I'm not saying not to celebrate every step, but we have, to, we have to put things in front of us that are going to make us stretch, because if you were doing podcasts and websites before it was, you know, in vogue, then you've got to stretch yourself. You know, when, when I decided to do my radio show, I had to stretch myself. This was not something that I was comfortable doing or anything, but I didn't do it alone. And I think that's what part of it is. I always asked for help. And I didn't just say, "Could you help me?" I would say, "Can you show me how to do this?" Because I really, yep. I am lost here, right? It's yeah, a different way of yeah,
0: Exactly. Me. And you know, one thing about podcasting and radio, people don't really stop to think about this, but it is very much a form of public speaking.
1: Mm-hmm. And public
0: speaking, as we all know, is, I think, right beneath death and the thing that scares that scare people the most. I don't understand okay. that. I mean, I get to talk to people like you to people like friend, our friend Jane Boffis. I mean, I get to meet people from all over the world. I'm not going to meet you in my local Walmart. Right. So right. how great is this?
1: Right, and it opens up a whole new world for people, and that's the part that is so beautiful because those are, those are dreams. You know, when people say, I want to change the world, you can actually change the world for the podcast because you're talking to people all over the world. <clears throat> when we got into the pandemic. I mean, I lost two-thirds of my company immediately, like in, in oh, like, no. nothing, Right? Nothing that I did – it wasn't me, but everything I – two-thirds of my company was live. So, you know, all of a sudden, Friday the 13th, everything was off my calendar. And so I decided that one of the things – this is after I, you know, I, I boohooed a little bit, but only for, you know, 20 minutes. I cried. Then I thought, okay, now what do I do? But I remember distinctly <clears throat> wanting to connect people at this time because the thing we were missing the most was connection. So I put together um, a panel of exceptional women and it was really inside financial services because that is my background. And financial service professionals were, were very vocal saying we can't do our business if we can't see anyone. So I wanted to connect them and make sure that they were gonna be okay. So I put together this panel, four, women from, four leaders from uh, financial services, all women, and we invited everybody. And we didn't do, woe is me, and oh, my God, I lost my company. No, we did. We gave ways to make changes, or how do you meet people? And so we had a lot of people, a lot of women showing up from all over. So when you say, you know, you can meet people, all that's what we did. And so it was one and done. We were done. It was fantastic. Everybody loved it. They got so much out of it. And then I started to get the phone calls and the texts and the email. Who's, who's on the next panel? Can I be on the next panel? What are you going to talk about next week? So in reality, this one and done turned into 12 weeks of panels of women. <clears throat> so we had 48 women across the 12 weeks. And on the 13th week, we did a reunion. We had people from all over the world. We had Bali. We had Germany. We had um, uh, England. We had Australia. We had all of them. We had all over the country. And The dream I had really was just connection. And I didn't dream like, oh, my God, I'm going to get people together. I didn't do that. Had I done that, would it have been any different? I'm not sure. But the dream came into this, it was beyond all expectation for everybody. There was so much business that was done without ever asking for business from all different people, from all different speakers, from all different levels, from all – it was amazing. So part of that was, you know, not to do it alone. You know, I asked for help to get this going, but they only, the the attendees, asked for help. We just need to be connected. That was the help that they needed. So it turned out to be this spectacular thing that I can't even imagine that we did it. And we weren't afraid that people were going to fail. We knew the technology may not work. We knew somebody may not show up. We knew all this stuff, and we weren't weren't afraid about it because we said, look, we're human, and we have to give ourselves grace. If this happens, we had more women that had babies You know, on the screen, we had cats walking across the monitors. This is how you got to meet people informally, and this is how you got to understand that we're all human and we're all in the same boat, and let's do this together. So it was, it was fantastic.
0: And see, had you overthought that? Mm Because I'm guilty of this. Had you overthought that? You can dream it and you can map it out. I don't anymore. I don't map anything out. If it's in my head, if it's what I call a god wink, and they happen all the time. I just take action, and so did you. And without overthinking it and scaring yourself to death and then procrastinating, and then it's just too darn late, look what you did.
1: And, and had I thought about, okay, so how am I going to get people from around the world? Or how am I going to get 48 women? Or how am I, I didn't think about it. I, just, I did one. I just did one. I will say my, my, um, my business coach then said to me, so did you monetize it? And I said, nope. Never thought about it. Would not, that was not, this was not something to monetize. Did we did we get business from it? Yeah, we did. But it wasn't anything that was planned. It wasn't like, okay, each speaker gets to, you know, give an offer. We didn't do anything like that. Nothing. There was no sales. There was nothing. It was 100% about the attendees, which turned out to also be 100% about the speakers, because they were going through the same thing.
0: So it's connecting and networking yeah. mm-hmm. at a very high level. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're building a community.
0: Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and that's really what it takes. Listen, I, I spend a lot of time these days recently in particular with chat GPT webinars. I'm fascinated with the technology. I'm a little bit worried about it, but I'm fascinated with it. I'm a nerd in stilettos. What's not mm-hmm. to be fascinated? But I don't want to be sold anything. And the minute I can hear it coming, I, I just leave. Yeah. So what you did was brilliant because not everybody needs to be sold or wants to be sold all the time. We're looking mm-hmm. for help. We're looking for assistance. We're looking for inspiration. We're yeah. looking for ideas. We're looking to find out who you are and, you know, who can I introduce you to? I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and sometimes the, um, the introductions come, become, you know, organic. That's how they happen. And sometimes it is truly oh, Denise, you need to meet Jane. or Jane, And like what Jane did to us, Jane, and we had already been connected, but we weren't, you know, really connected. So it, it was just a way to connect, reconnect, and, and it, was, it was awesome. And it was, people said that we helped them to reach some of their goals and dreams just by showing up.
0: So. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I wanted to ask you, because you're talking about putting all these women together who would, it just wouldn't have happened if you hadn't done this. So, and that leads me to wonder because I've heard you say this, it's in my notes, where did the lonely leader come from? Is was that part of this process where you identified that there were an awful lot of women out there just going, "Holy jeez, now what?" That
1: it wasn't that wasn't necessarily where it came from. I think there was a lot of that, like what's next and how am I doing this, but it came more about when I was moving some of my programs into the corporate side because I do I have done entrepreneurs and small business owners for a decade and a lot of the women that are corporate were saying well you know what about us you know so I started to build oh, okay. programs, and so what I heard more times than not is we don't really have access to, you know, what you're doing. Like, people would say to me I, that I give them, they, I make everything very personal to them. Even when we had 700 women on the, you know, on the panel, um, I made it personal for them because I spoke to them. And that's what, the, what corporate women were saying, because that's women were saying, you know, I'm at the level where I don't know who doesn't have an agenda. I don't know who I can talk to. I don't know... Uh, you know who's after my position. I don't know what's next for me, and that's what they were talking about. And I said, Oh, this sounds like just such a lonely leader. And that's and that's what I started talking about. That because that's that's what it is. You're at this level, and then what? What? I mean, are you going to go higher? Maybe. Are you going to stay where you are? Maybe. Are you going to leave? Maybe. But at this moment in time, you don't know. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who you can talk to. You don't know who you can actually say what you're thinking. You don't know what, you know, to have a meeting with somebody, and put everything on a whiteboard, and the next thing you know, someone takes it and and owns it as their own because it happened to me. I mean, those kind of things did happen to me. And so I remember that, and I thought, ooh, this is not a good feeling because I remember how it was not a good feeling, and it made me leave my position because I was so uncomfortable, and I I was – it was so toxic, and I was getting ill. And so I remember that feeling I never had identified it as a lonely leader until I started hearing it over and over and over again.
0: And that kind of havoc that you're describing for you and for them that's got to greatly affect your mindset and your health. Oh. let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, I was popping 12 exs a day every single oh my God. Day. yeah, yeah yeah, I would have the first thing I, I would take two as soon as I woke up. Then, as I was driving, I would take two more. And we're only talking, like, you know, not a lot of hours in between. I would see, you know, the green glass buildings, and I would have to, you know, make sure I was taking two more. Then during the day when, you know, people would, like, snipe at me all the time, because, just because. And then, you know, then in the middle of the day, and then at the end of the day, and then, you know, I would get home. And then I needed to try to, you know, stop my, my mind from, like, it, it was on overtime. So. 12 excedrin a day. That, that's not a good thing. And I remember. What did it was, do to your stomach?
0: I mean, oh, seriously, do you it. have yes. holes in your
1: stomach? <laughs> well, fortunately, I don't do it anymore. But, yeah, I mean, oh, I had the worst stomach aches. I had, you know, neck aches, back aches, you name it. I sometimes felt like I forgot to breathe. Like I, I, would, oh. I would stop myself and say, have I taken a breath yet? Because I was be like holding my breath all the time. You know, it was really it was horrible. And I remember driving one day, and my son was on the phone with me, and he said, "Mom, you just have to quit." I'm like, "Okay, what do I do next?" You know, like what? You know, I'm not 20 years old, and da 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 da. I wasn't married at the time, and it was all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, my mindset was not in the right space. It just wasn't. And I remember thinking, if I don't leave, I'm going to end up in the hospital. And if I if I stay because I love this part of it. It's not going to, I'm not going to be good to anybody. And then what about my kids? You know, I have a son, I have a daughter. Like, what about them? All of a sudden, they're going to have to be, like, taking care of me because I can't even function. So I decided that it was time for me to go. And when you decide to go, not when it's decided for you, you lose a lot of things. You know, you lose your severance. You lose lose everything. And that was okay with me because I knew it wasn't worth it. The, The money doesn't. Money doesn't mean anything if you can't, if you're not healthy and you can't pay for it. Right. Right. I just, I left and I jumped. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Um, So it took them eight weeks to accept my resignation. So that was also tough. But I knew there was an end in sight. And my, the, the, when they deposited my um, checks every other week, I would market, um, you know, uh, deposit into my new company. I didn't know what my new company was. I didn't know what I was going to do.
0: I that, love that. You were just, earmarking yeah. your money yeah. for something that was going to be yours.
1: Yeah. And because you because were telling yourself
0: that. why it was yeah. important.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because because then I present it. Yeah. That, that, but that was changing your mindset. Because if I just, you know, got the money, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't stand this anymore. But when I would say for my new business, you know, it, it, then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to do something. I just don't know what it is. But now this money's gone towards that. And it didn't matter if I wasn't really gonna do anything. At least every other week, I would have this epiphany that there was money going towards it. And that's what I did. But I will say, when I finally did get released, um, I remember breathing. And about, I don't know, two to three weeks later, I got up in the morning and I didn't take Excedrin. And I didn't didn't realize that I wasn't taking it, but all of a sudden I thought, something is different about today. And I wasn't taking the Excedrin. And I saw somebody from my company, and she said to me, your skin looks so beautiful. And I said, well, not with toxic people. I didn't realize I said that right to her face, but I did. Oh, Um, (laughs) I'm sure she didn't take it badly. Oh, I'm sure not. Um, But the best part was I said to myself, if I was starting all over, what would I have wanted? You know, if back then, what would I have wanted? And I would have wanted somebody that looked like me. And I'm not talking about physically look like me, but a female that would have been able to show me the ropes and, and push me when I need pushing and celebrate when I needed celebrating. And I didn't have that. So I became that woman. And that's what my, you know, when I started selling the skirt, that's what my company was all about. It was and still is about helping one woman a day and about being that woman that people can look to for support and for you know asking questions. And every time I post, the last thing in my post says, if you need help, dot, 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 simply ask. Because nobody was there for me. There wasn't anybody. And that's, what, that's who I became. I became that woman. So when I did this panel and people said I made it so personal, it was because I was talking to each one of them as if they were me. As if they were going through what I went through. Because I know what it feels like. And it's, it's a crappy feeling.
0: And I love that call to action, just simply ask, because it's easy to say, okay, you know, this is what we're talking about. This is what's going on. I'm giving you some advice and then leave off that very important call to action, mm-hmm. which gives people the idea, the sense that oh, she really is listening to me. She really does. She can help me. So that, mm-hmm. again, brilliant. That's two brilliance in a row. I think we're done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I, I don't think I have three in me. We'll see.
1: <laughs>
0: but I I love that idea and I need to do more of that so I just wrote down a note do what she does but you talk about asking questions and listening as a leader I think that's probably one of the smartest things that people can do look when I was a kid I wasn't very talkative I was always the quietest person in the house and I learned way more about adults than I should have ever known but they always forgot I was in the room but one thing that I I asked my grandmother, I think it was, she's a very, very wise woman. She was a farmer's wife. And I asked her, I said, how do I learn more? Because I read, I mean, I really was, we were a very intelligent family. We all read, we all talked. But I I asked her, I said, how do I learn more about people? Because I really didn't like people very much. I didn't. They didn't like me either because I was always the quiet one just looking at them like, what the heck is wrong with you? I had to learn not to do that, by the way. But she said to me, she said, instead of sit down, shut up and listen, she said, sit down and listen. And I learned through her over time to listen between the lines.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm really
0: looking for what people are not saying I'm you know, trying to be a lot more empathetic and, and feel what they're saying and what they're up to. It works. You have to be very aware of how you're listening to people.
1: Absolutely. Listening is one of the hardest things that you can do, um, but it's also the most important thing. When you think about – when you ask a question and then you're thinking about all the other things that you have to do that day or – you know, I have to pick the kids up or I have to make dinner, or I have to go here, blah, blah, blah. When you're thinking of those things, you're certainly not listening. And when you come from a world of sales, which all of us are in sales, I don't care if we are a new title, yeah. in we sales title, everybody's we are. But, but when you come into a world where you where sales is your living and I was straight commissioned for many, many, many years. So sales was my life, <clears throat> I remember thinking, if I don't ask the right questions And if I don't listen, I'm never going to get anywhere. And that, of course, was not what I was taught. I was taught get in, get out, and get the check. That's what I was taught. And that's not me. I mean, I like to build relationships. I like to know what's going on. I think with women, we like to know all the details. And, you know, you don't go forward until you get all the details. Anyway, so when I was in sales, I, I I was a single mom. And I did have lots to think about. But I had to be super focused. And, you know, they used to call me the question queen, and they still do. They still do. And my husband now, he, he knows there's more questions coming. And, and that's only because I'm interested. Not I don't want to be interesting to someone. I want to be interested in them. So when I would sit down with somebody and I was selling, you know, insurance, and there's nothing more important than making sure people are protected the right way, I would never ask them how much do you want to spend or who's a beneficiary or like i would never ask them. I would say, why is it so important for you to put this in place today? And then I would stop talking and they would tell me things like you can't even imagine what they would tell me. But I'd be, you know, I would also ask them, you know, are you okay if I take notes? No one's ever said, no, don't take notes. Please don't take notes. But when you take notes, you have to really be a super good listener because now you're taking notes about what they're saying. And when I would ask that question and I would take notes, I was getting their why. There's nothing more important than understanding where a point where a person is and what their why is. So I'd be writing everything in their own words. And then when you know when they were finished with the question, I would say, Okay, so you just said da 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 da. And they would look at me like, How did you know that? Because I was listening. And the best compliment a salesperson could ever get, or actually any person, is you really listened. And that's right. what you get all the time. It's wow, you really listened. Because I would not be asking like you know ridiculous questions but when I would ask that question like why do you want to put this in place why is it so important they would tell me and in that conversation with me they would tell me who the beneficiary is and how much they want to spend but they would tell me why it was so important to them and that was it so listening is the most important thing and that's why two ears one mouth we all know that but you, if you don't if you ask the question they just move along like you know when I tell, I tell my clients you have to celebrate you know whatever whatever it is you need to celebrate. And so one of my clients had reached her goal before she thought she was going to reach it. This was the call. Hey, Judy, just want to let you know, I reached my goal, and I'm a month early. So here's what I'm going to do next. I'm like, whoa, wait, stop, hold, please. What did you just say? She said, I reached my goal a month early. So now I'm like, no, just stop at that point. And she said, I reached my goal a month early. I said, is that a question or is that a statement? She said, a statement. I said, okay, what are we supposed to do? She said, "Uh, celebrate? like, yes. She goes, (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> oh, I listen, I am that
0: person. I get that.
1: Right? Both people, are. we don't know how to celebrate. So, of course, you know, now with all my coaching clients and everything, I always start the conversation or when I do groups, I always start with, okay, what are we going to celebrate? Because give them something, give them the, the space so they can celebrate something. Even if it's, I bought a new pen today. I'm so excited. Or, you know, I, I woke up today. I mean, people say to me sometimes, I was I was so sick for the last eight weeks. I woke up healthy today. Okay, that's what we're going to celebrate. It's not always about business, but when you give somebody the the space, so that's what I'm saying. When you ask a question, you better be listening because there's something in there. If you move, you know your your focus for even a second, you're going to miss something that is so important that they just felt they needed to tell you. And so that's what I do. So questions and answers. Yeah.
0: That is so true. And listen, in in this podcast, and, you know, I catch myself, like you, I take a lot of notes and, and I'm listening very, very carefully. But I'll have somebody, I'll say something to somebody and they'll say, Oh, say it again. I can't. (laughs) Most of the time, I have no idea what I said. And I want to say, Well, you were listening, you tell me, I don't know. I'm so busy listening to them that I'm not listening to myself, which is probably not all that smart.
1: Well, you just you want to make sure that you you know you remember kind of sort of how you might have said it. <laughs> you know, that's hard. It's hard when people say to me, "Can you say that one more time?" Like, uh, okay, tell me how I started it, and then I could probably get. To the I know.
0: Of it, you know. I know. Same thing here,
1: but that's because we are listening and
0: scribbling and we're taking notes and mm-hmm. we're really trying to get to the essence of who you are, how you present and how you are a leader and how you can help other people. Listen, I'm going to say about entrepreneurs, I've said this time and time again, as a group, as a culture, I think we are the most incredibly giving people on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not really worried about somebody stealing our stuff. It's going to happen, but it's really important to us to say, this is how we can help. Have you thought about this? And what about this? Okay, tell me more. Tell me more is yes. one of my favorite things. So, But, you know, if you ask, like like you mentioned earlier, simply ask. That is not unusual among entrepreneurs. We really do want to help you.
1: Yeah, yeah. M- one of my favorite questions is, you know, and I always tell my clients, well, how do you get people to talk more to you? I say, All you need to say is, so tell me what that looks like. And, again, stop talking. And one of my clients who is, you know, she's got a very big position, um, and she's the only female, and she said many times, she said, you're sitting on my shoulder, and I know I should be saying right now, tell me what that looks like. That's how she was in the beginning. Now she just says it all the time, so tell me what that looks like. And people just share that with you, so they, they get that. But, you know, again, the other thing that, it, that, that a lot of people don't know how to, like, wrap things up or whatever else You know, one of the questions I always ask people when I'm in a conversation with them and we're, you know, figuring out, like, how we're going to work together or whatever, I always ask them, I say, so so tell me what do you still want to accomplish? And that is a major question because most people will say, no one's ever asked me that. And they start to tell you things that there are maybe deep, dark secrets that they've never said out loud before, and you better be listening because those are things that are really important. And then after that, because they feel so comfortable, I just said, okay, so how do you see us working together? And they're like, oh my God, so many different ways. And you know, so you you don't have to really be like that slam bam, thank you, ma'am, or get in, get out, get the chat. You can just have a conversation. And when you you are being authentically you, they know that and they feel that and you've, you've given them space and they've been heard. So it's a whole combination
0: really is, and I was looking at your chapter on being authentic, but actually, right now, I am on, this is so important, chapter 25, followership. Mm-hmm. And you sit, you start out, followership is the other side of leadership. It's the ability to take direction well, which I don't do. I fight <laughs> with my nav system. She is not the boss of me. Be a part of a team and deliver what is expected of you. And here's something to ponder How well the followers follow is just as important for success as how well the leaders lead. That's pretty profound, Judy.
1: Well, I have to tell you that the first time I heard the word followership is from my husband. My husband is a retired colonel in the Air Force, and that's a big thing is followership because in order for you to be promoted, you have to be able to lead and to follow. So when he said followership, I thought it was like a word that um, Yogi Berra would say. I mean, to me, it made, I had no idea what that meant. I like, said, so did you make up this word because followership? Like, did you mean leadership? But the truth of the matter is you have to, as a leader, you don't always have to be center stage. You can be one of the backup dancers, you know, because you should give other people the ability and the um, opportunity to do, what they're, to do their thing. And you, you become the follower. And I don't know if you've ever seen the, the video the Dancing Man, if you've never seen it, you should just Google it. Because what it is, is this young, are they're, they're all everybody's at this music festival, and there's a young kid, he can't be, you know, I think he's in his late teens, early 20s, maybe, and he's dancing, and he's dancing like crazy dance, just crazy dance, and, you know, people are watching him. And then somebody comes up and is following him, doing the dance. So now he's got an audience. Then the third person shows up. So you have the leader... You have a follower, and then you have the next person who's following the second person who's now his leader to the leader, and all of a sudden everybody's dancing. Like everybody's dancing. So is it the leader that's the most important, or is it the follower that's most important? Because the leader was like they call him the lone nut, all by himself until the person followed, and then the third and the fourth, and then the people that weren't dancing, they're like, oh, I better get up and dance because I should be following them. So it becomes like this this tremendous um, gang of dancing people. It's hysterical. And the first time I saw it I thought, Well, this is funny but then when I realized that's what my husband was talking about, about the followership, that's that's it's a really important role that you play because you've now made this leader the leader. That and see so
0: when I got to that chapter and that's brilliant summation. When I got to this chapter I went, Oh, okay, because I'm you know, I work in social media. Mm-hmm. I'm build websites literally in my sleep. And I thought, okay, you know, now we're going to be talking about how you get people to follow you all over the world on social media. That's not what we're talking about.
1: Right, right. And you have to remember that you don't don't just follow somebody because they're a leader. You don't. And I said that earlier. You become, you want to be the person that people choose to follow. If you go on social media, you know, there are people that have millions and millions and millions of followers. They know probably none of them or a very, you know, just a handful. And I always ask the question, would you rather have a million followers that you don't know or a hundred followers that are raising their hand that want to do business with you or that want to, you know, be in your circle? Well, in followership, it's it, it's the same kind of thing. You are making this person the leader, you know, they're giving this person more credibility because you believe in that person. And now they're, you're... Not, I don't want to say convincing, but you are. You're convincing other people this is a good person to follow. But you just became a leader to somebody else. And it almost, it's almost like, you know, um, like a domino effect. So I think it's really an important trait to have. Not everybody can be a follower. And followership does not ring true for a lot of people. I worked with somebody, and I, my whole position to her was, let me make this easy for you you know, I will do all the work, I will do, you know, this, I'll facilitate, and I will let everybody know that it was your idea to do this. And she could not do it. She brought me in, never introduced me, never, and and nothing, and she just could not be, you know, she couldn't play second, you know, second fiddle or second violin or whatever it is. She had to be first, only first. And to me, that's very short-sighted. Because what would happen if? What would happen if she got sick? Then there's nobody to stand in for you. What would happen if she got fired? You know, anything like that. But she had somebody who was willing to do all the work and give her the credit. And to me, just very short-sighted.
0: Sounds like a narcissist, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Been around those. Listen,
0: yeah. I wanted to to go to the chapter 34, which is servant leadership. And, you know, that's important. Listen, I honestly, I'll just tell you straight up, I consider what this podcast does as servant leadership. I
1: really do. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I was laughing, and it wasn't about when you said servant leadership, the reason I was laughing is because when I started my company, after I resigned, I started networking. And the only people that, the only people that I knew were the people I just resigned from. So that's really hard. That's not the right networking. So I just started going to all kinds of networking events and meeting people and having one-on-ones and things. But every single person I met the, from the first group of people, every single person when I asked, well, what do you do? They were servant leader. Oh, I'm a servant leader. Oh, I'm a servant leader. And after like the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh, I don't know, I finally said, well, what is a servant leader? And the woman was horrified. She said, you don't know what a servant leader is? And she starts to giving giving me this lesson on servant leadership. And I said, oh, I do that all the time. I didn't realize it had a name. It didn't have a name when I lived up north, but it had a name when I came down south. And I thought, okay, now everybody is going to be a servant leader. So a servant leader is really somebody that is going to serve and support. You know, when I say, if you need help, simply ask, that's being a servant leader. I'm not asking to be a servant leader, but I'm offering my you know me i'm offering me and a servant leader is somebody that really wants to give and lead by example and you know all these great things that that people are looking for they have um, more empathy than somebody and again we'll go back to the the listening skills you have to be an active listener to be a servant leader but also it's it's a form of bringing people into your circle and really finding out what do they need. And if you can't do it, you have somebody else that you can recommend, somebody that you can make an introduction to. Because you just want people to, to do their best and be their best. And so if you can be that person that serves and supports. And I know some people don't like the words, you know, serve and support because they think it's, you know, old-fashioned or they think it has you know, negative connotations. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't have any problem serving somebody. I'm not giving, I mean, I'm not serving them coffee on a platter. I'm serving me.
0: So. Right. And when I first heard it, my, you know, instinctive first thought living in the Deep South is, oh, that's a Baptist thing. How wrong was I? <laughs> oh, And I live in Catholic country, but right now we're in the middle of Lent and I'm not Catholic, but somebody asked me one time what I was. I said probably a Bab, Bab- Christ. I don't know. I don't know. I'm nothing, really. But, you know, in Lent, I always try to, you know, support my neighbors and my friends. So I always give up, well, I tried to give up sarcasm. That was the worst three minutes of my life. Yeah, but I, really. gave up, I can't do it. But I gave up chocolate because I hate the stuff. I'm cheating. I admit it. But when, you know, I heard servant leadership, I thought, oh,
1: geez. I mean, yeah. I
0: instantly had flashbacks to going to midnight mass, Not what we're talking about.
1: Right. And that's the thing. You know, it does have, sometimes it has a negative connotation. You just have to decide, like, where do you fit in that space? And I truly believe that my calling has always been to serve and to make sure, again, helping one woman a day. I got criticized for that. And they said, you know, what about 100 or 1,000 women a day? I'm like, exponentially, one woman a day is a lot of women. I mean if you really think yeah. about it, that's, that's a lot of women but one woman right. a day and whenever I say that there's always a woman that raises their hand and say can I be your woman today and, and that's a very humbling Aww. experience right because what do women not want to do they don't want to ask for help so when somebody says that can I be your woman today I mean it, it like breaks me down like I just I I want to cry because I know how hard it was for her to say that so what am I going to do I'm going to do more let me do more what, what what more can I do? but I don't want people to think that I do everything for them. I show how to do it, I give them suggestions I work with, but I don't do it for them because that would that defeats the purpose.
0: It would, and that leads me to my next question, which is what are some of the most and you've already kind of shared it, but what are some of the most important things that you share with with people that you're talking to because you don't want to. Do everything for them. That is not good for anybody. I don't care what you say, but you're yeah. giving them examples. You're, you know, teaching them to stand up on their own two feet and to ask good questions. What is the best advice that you would give leaders right now?
1: One of, the, one of the best things that I would, that I've always said, and I truly believe this, is to be generous with your time. It doesn't mean that you have to have an open-door policy where you have 9,000 people coming to see you, but be generous with your time. Remember what it was like when you were starting out and you didn't want to ask for help <clears throat> or you didn't want to let people know that you weren't 100% sure how to do something. Let people know that you are available. Let me ask, you know, let me answer your questions for you or so on. Being generous with your time is the most expensive gift you can give somebody, and they they will remember it. The other thing I would say is, Be present. People always talk about work-life balance. That is a myth. There is no such thing as work-life balance. There's no such thing. I'm so glad you said that. No such thing. It's nonsense. But I always say, when you are present, that is your balance. So when you're with somebody, you be 100% present. When you're working, be 100% present. When you're home, be 100% present. Because that brings you harmony. And that's the best thing that you can do for people and for yourself. You know what people say to me? Well, don't you think that there should be some kind of balance of it? I would say, okay. So when I was in the height of my selling career, if I would have said I'm going to work 50% and I'm going to be a mom 50%, I'm going to be the best mom I can be and I'm going to be the best salesperson I could be. That doesn't. That's like you know a conundrum there. How do you do both? And if somebody, if that school nurse would have called and said um, your child was hurt on the softball field or on the field hockey field or whatever, I had two options. Would I say, "Mm, you know what, I'm in my 50% work, can you hold out till 3 o'clock? Or I would run like heck to get my kids. So there's no balance. But, you you know, you also have to know that life happens. So be a little bit, you know, have the ability to be a little bit, uh, give yourself some grace. But I think generosity, I think, you know, harmony. And then also don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and have some courage to do that because people – are always watching what you do and they're in awe when you do something you make it look so easy so have a little courage to do the things that are hard you know it's it's okay that you can't do everything perfectly be perfectly imperfect because perfect perfection is boring exhausting and
0: it does also doesn't exist and it leads to sheer procrastination and what you just said when you're talking about, you know, stay present, that's difficult for a lot of people. I have a squirrel mm-hmm. brain. I admit it. You know, I yeah. will often have to take my squirrel brain away from my desk, take it to the refrigerator and stick my head in there because I go blank. We all do. You open that door, you don't know what you want. You don't know how you got there. I call it a meditation. It's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm refreshed. But multitasking,
1: <laughs> it works.
0: Multitasking means no focus. Zero. Yeah. Stop. Yeah multitasking
1: yeah absolutely because you never finish anything completely you think oh my gosh i can do i can do all these things at the same time the only time i ever multitask that does work is if i'm walking from my office into the bedroom and there's like seven things that i can carry at the same time that's oh a multitasking. yeah that's other than that that's not i don't because you can't you never finish anything i'm a check girl i like to check things off you can't check off when you're when you're multitasking because you never finish anything I I finally learned
0: to give up my checklist and I have index cards, Mm -hmm. only three, because anything beyond three, you're not going to get it done. So, you know, prioritize, pick your poison. But what I like to do, just because it's fun, is once I've got one of my, my cards all checked off and it's all, you know, striked through and it's done, I fire up the little machine and I shred it. It's cathartic. It's very cathartic. It's like, okay, that's done. Awesome. I know awesome. it's I love but,
1: that.
0: Well, it's you know why not? <laughs> I, can, I do it because I can. Judy, before I let you go, is there anything else to share with the audience before you know we? This this is a quick as sixty minutes on earth. I'm telling you. I know. Yeah.
1: Um, I I would say that it's okay if you're not great at everything because there are things that you are great at. Whatever it is that you're not, ask ask for help. And, again, like I said in the very beginning, you don't have to say, can you help me? Just say, can you show me how to do this? Or you can say, you know, Denise, you are like, when you do this, you make it look so easy. Can you show me how to do that? And that's all it is. Because what I would be happy to. (laughs) Right.
0: You know, seriously, when people ask me for this kind of help, I'm like, oh, heck yeah.
1: Yeah. But there's only two answers you're going to get, the heck yeah or no. If it's no, they're not your people. Move along. If they are, they are you people. And and here's a four-letter word that you should always keep very handy because it works. It's next. So if a person says no to you, like in your brain, just say, okay, next, and you just move along. Because this way you're not holding on to anything.
0: I like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: See, that's mm-hmm. new to me. That went into my my notes. next. And I mm-hmm. would probably say it with attitude just so you know. But mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> There you go. Well, listen, where can people find you? I know you've got several books. Where's your website? Where do you best want to be found? Is it you know, LinkedIn, email? How do people locate you?
1: Well, LinkedIn is always good because it's Judy Holberman, and it says Judy Holberman sales leader. Um, my website is sellinginaskirt.com, so you can always go there. You can email me at Judy at Skirt. I'm all over social media, either at Selling in a Skirt or Judy, Ho- Judy Hoberman. So either way, you can always get me. And I, am, I answer my own emails, so nobody does that. It's just me. You'll always get me. And um, I look forward to connecting and serving and supporting. So if you need help, dot, 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 simply ask. There you go. Judy, thank
0: you so much for you know being patient about the weather. I'm so glad we made it. And it's been wonderful speaking with you. And I thank you for the book. I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice, the seriously stellar advice that you've been sharing with me and our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes, Audible, Stitcher, anywhere you consume your business, podcasts, the truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us, take us along on your success journey, and go find Judy. Be again, thank you so much. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.